Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of correspondents around the world. And Wang Zhang coming up in this edition. Honduran President Xiomara Castro is in Shanghai to begin a state visit to China. Hundreds are trapped on rooftops in southern Ukraine after a dam collapsed. And former U.S. President Donald Trump says a federal grand jury has indicted him over his handling of classified documents after leaving office. We begin in Asia. Honduran President Xiomara Castro has begun her state visit to China after the two countries established diplomatic relations in March. Earlier this week, China inaugurated its embassy in the Honduran capital. Castro began her visit in Shanghai, where she is scheduled to visit the New Development Bank and meet Bank President Dilma Rousseff. Castro will also stop by the Huawei Innovation Center before heading to Beijing to meet President Xi Jinping. Chen Tong takes a closer look at the development of China-Honduras ties. Over the past two years, the relationship between the two countries has been developing very rapidly. Well, we know a bunch of、uh, Honduran officials and journalists have been invited to visit China, including visiting here in Shanghai. And the China's embassy in Honduras was just established. Well, earlier Castro tweeted and she said the refounding of Honduras demands new political, technical, commercial, and cultural horizons, and these horizons will be sought in China, according to the. Foreign Minister of Honduras, the two countries will be signing a series of memorandums, deals,、uh, contracts during the visit. And in 2022, the bilateral trade between the two countries、uh, reached some 1.6 billion U.S. dollars. 90% of them were actually China's exports to Honduras, and this figure will only expected to grow larger after Castro's visit. That was Chen Tong in Shanghai. The diplomatic breakthrough in China-Honduras relations also brings opportunities in many other areas. Alistair Bavastok spoke with teachers and students in the Honduran capital to learn about what that means for academic exchanges. Following the establishment of diplomatic ties with China, students in Honduras are being offered what could be life-altering new opportunities. A cross-Pacific academic exchange program now seeks to offer Honduras's most promising students spots at China's top educational institutions. China has offered hundreds of places at its top international universities. As part of a very large and innovative academic exchange program, for this Central American country, it's a leg up towards its own development. We are interested in engineering and water management in particular, and China has been very successful in those fields. So for us, it is key to learn from what China can teach us through the formation of these human resources. News of the upcoming opportunities to study across the Pacific has spread fast. The Social Development Ministry here says it has received more than 200 applications from Honduran students looking to study abroad at Chinese universities just since formal relations were established in March. It's an academic exchange aimed at deepening these countries' ties. For students at this country's leading university, the exchange is an enticing prospect. I would love to study in China because I would learn new things. If I could share my Spanish there and learn to speak Mandarin, I could teach that language in Honduras later. I would love it. 
China is very advanced. They have a greater understanding of our subjects. And that would be experience we could bring back home. Mathematics professor Mariano Solorsano also sees the academic offerings across the Pacific as a great opportunity. China is a power when it comes to mathematics. The country has taken first place in the past four math Olympics. So for our youth with talent, to maximize their potential, establishing an academic relationship with China could be highly productive. With opportunities to study in China now open to them, Honduras's next generation says it wants to bring the best Asia has to offer back to Central America. That was Alastair Bavistock in the Honduran capital. Turning to Europe, floodwater is still rising in southern Ukraine after a hydropower plant dam collapsed. Hundreds are trapped on rooftops. Pablo Gutierrez reports. Rescue workers raced to evacuate people from flooded villages near the Dnipro River. The destruction of the Kakhovka hydroelectric dam sent thousands of cubic feet of water gushing downstream, threatening 80 settlements and thousands of residents on the rivers. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky toured the disaster area in Kherson and pleaded for help from the international community. Now, a clear and prompt response from the world is needed to what is happening. It's even impossible to accurately determine how many people in the temporary occupied territory of the Kherson region may die without rescue, without drinking water, without food, without medical assistance. Thousands of residents are without food and drinking water. According to Ukrainian authorities, water levels peaked at just over three meters in the city of Kherson and are expected to recede in the coming days. Thousands of people have been evacuated while the fighting continues. Russian emergency services launched their own rescue missions. Ukraine has blamed Russia for the breach of the dam, while Russia stated that Ukrainian forces carried out the attack. The dam lies on the conflict's front line, leaving residents caught in the middle. We need to evacuate Granny. She's on the first floor, sitting there with her cats and dogs. We brought her from another district yesterday as we hoped it would be safer here, but we need to evacuate her again today. Ukraine's authorities say the dam breach could be the country's worst ecological disaster in recent history, as floodwaters engulf towns, Petrol stations and farms where pesticides and other chemicals are used. The extent of the environmental damage might not be known for weeks. That was Pablo Gutierrez on the aftermath of the damaged dam in southern Ukraine. In North America, former U.S. President Donald Trump says a federal grand jury has indicted him over his handling of classified documents after leaving office. Trump's attorney said the former president will appear in a Miami court on Tuesday. This makes him the first ex-president to face federal charges. It comes as another legal setback for Trump as he seeks to regain the presidency next year. We get more from William Denslow. This all stems uh, from these allegations that Donald Trump took classified documents with him uh, when he left the White House. He brought them uh, to his home. It is being alleged at his home in Mar-a-Lago. Now, we've heard from one of Donald Trump's attorneys speaking on CNN, detailing what is believed to be some of these seven counts that Donald Trump is expected to be faced with uh, when he arrives in court in Miami on Tuesday afternoon here in the United States. 
It's believed that he's set to be charged with violating the Espionage Act, obstruction charges, as well as uh, charges of making false statements. Now, we've already had a bit of a precursor as to what we might expect to hear from Donald Trump going forward. That, and that message is likely to be one of uh, strong denial. On social media, he's already come out describing it as a hoax. He says he is innocent. He's accused the Biden administration of corruption. He says that this indictment marks a dark day for the United States. He says it is a country in decline. That was Willem Denslow on the indictment of Donald Trump. Staying in North America, wildfires continue to burn out of control across Canada. In Quebec, officials say 13,500 people have been forced from their homes. Meanwhile, hazy and hazardous conditions resulting from the wildfires linger in parts of neighboring United States. A new wave of toxic smoke has blanketed the region, affecting flights and outdoor activities across the Northeast. Jody Jacobs reports. The dangerous smog in New York City persists, and at one point on Wednesday evening, the air quality index hit 484 on a scale that tops up at 500. That's a dangerous level and the highest the city has ever recorded. New York Governor Kathy Oakle has made thousands of N95 masks available as the city and state officials continue to urge people to mask up and refrain from strenuous outdoor activities. I've been advising people where possible, stay inside. Uh, even though the air outside will ultimately find its way inside, the levels will be reduced. Uh, also, it's it's it, this is not the time to be playing tennis or jogging or getting ready for a marathon. Go easy on your lungs. Don't do anything that requires deep, heavy breathing. The smog is also affecting visibility at airports, bringing about delays, especially into New York and New York, New Jersey. The FAA also briefly halted flights bound for New York's LaGuardia Airport and delays up and down the East Coast could persist until late Thursday or even Friday. The air around iconic New York City landmarks like Times Square remains dense and the threat remains real. We need to be prepared for more fires from Canada and also our own state. Uh, we are at a fire risk in our own state because it, it is incredibly dry especially in western New York and central New York. So we want to make sure that we are aware of that as well. Several events in and around New York and New Jersey continue to be cancelled. Broadway shows, baseball games, and even the Bronx Zoo was forced to close its doors. And the economic impact is also being felt, with one research paper calculating workers lose about $125 billion a year in the United States due to wildfire smoke. That's about 2% of all labor income. That was Jody Jacobs in New York City. Finally, we go to Africa. The United Nations says peacekeepers in the Democratic Republic of the Congo should withdraw from the conflict-torn country as quickly as possible, but responsibly. A senior UN official has warned that the DRC must take action against armed groups to prevent a security void that could result in loss of life. Penina Karibe has the details. 
The UN Peacekeeping Force in the Democratic Republic of Congo, known as MONUSCO, is one of the largest and costliest in the world. It has 16,000 peacekeepers and an annual budget of around $1 billion. It has operated in the DRC since 1999. Many of its peacekeepers are deployed in Congo's east, a mineral-rich region that militias have been fighting for control over for three decades. But the UN mission has been accused of failing to stop the continued killing of civilians by armed groups. Dozens of people were killed during anti-UN protests last year. At a news conference in Kinshasa, the UN's peacekeeping chief acknowledged that people have been frustrated with the UN mission's failure to adequately tackle insecurity. The UN Undersecretary General defended MONUSCO's performance so far, saying its mandate limits the help it can provide to other regional forces in eastern Congo. An East African Community Military Force is currently present in the region. Southern African states are also due to deploy troops. Fighting between the DRC Army and M23 rebels has displaced many in eastern DRC. The UN says the rebel campaign has displaced over one million people. Many people in the region have been asking the UN peacekeepers to do more to protect vulnerable communities and end the killings. The UN says it's trying its best to do so. That was Panino Karibe reporting on concerns over security in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Before we go, here's a recap of today's top stories. The Honduran president has arrived in Shanghai, starting her state visit to China. Hundreds of people have been trapped on rooftops in southern Ukraine after a dam breach. And former US President Donald Trump says a federal grand jury has indicted him over his handling of classified documents after leaving office. That concludes today's top story, which brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Wang Tang. thank you for listening.